0: well good morning church at the red door thank you randy for that uh i just again i want to restate what randy has stated as it relates to this coming wednesday 6 p.m we're going to have this family annual family meeting and we're going to try a zoom format I don't know how that's gonna work. Hopefully we can get many of you uh, engaged uh, on this Zoom call on Wednesday evening. Again, I don't wanna restate what Randy's already stated, uh, but there's gonna be uh, some updates and some various ways we're gonna look at where is Church at the Red Door? Where are we as a family? This has been uh, just a crazy, crazy year as we all know. And uh, we want to try to give you a perspective of what we think the Lord has done and is doing and will do in the future. So I'm going to try to kind of lay out a little 10 or 15 minute vision. We'll have an opportunity for you to ask some questions via chat and other things. So again, Wednesday, annual family meeting, 6 p.m. this coming Wednesday, which would be kind of be part of this new living room that uh, Pastor Paul and Randy did a great job with last week. So anyway, a little bit of um, uh, run up into what we're going to discuss uh, even today. You know, I, I'll i be honest with you, there's kind of a somber tone. I, I think that's probably the case for many of you. As we look back over the what's happened this last week, uh, I mean, we kind of hope to have 2021 vaccines and everything, and then we start 2021 on a, on a very uh, somber note again because of this, what happened at on Capitol Hill, and I wanna speak to that. You know, I think about uh, uh, Luke chapter 13, where Jesus took a, a current event and turned it into a teachable moment. There was the Tower of Siloam, and uh, it had collapsed and 18 people had been killed in this and Jesus used this and worked it into a teaching. Jesus was an expert at that. I don't even claim to be close to uh, Jesus prowess and being able to turn a current event into uh, something that's a teachable moment. But I am going to attempt to do that with you this morning as it relates to what had occurred this last week on Capitol Hill. I think it's instructive. I think it's important. How did this come about? In fact, I'm going to kind of pivot and continue to do our study as it relates to the sword. And it is written, and we're going to continue that a little bit, but we're going to work through this, and I'm going to give you a response and my take on on what happened this week and the, the potential pitfalls. Uh, this really emerged this last week. We were having an executive team meeting, and I do a little devotionals to start those Wednesday meetings. We do those Wednesday afternoon with the, some 20 or so executive team members, and I did a little devotional and talked about what had happened, kind of a response to Capitol Hill, and and. Pretty much in unity, they said, "Why don't you redirect this this Sunday and and talk to the entire congregation and try to restate what you'd stated with us?" I'm not only going to do that; I'm going to add a little bit more to it. So, are you ready for this? I think we need. Uh, I know that Randy's prayed us in, but I'm going to pray uh, one more time that the Lord would give us all discernment and insight. Uh, something we all need and sometimes that probably many of us never thought we would ever see something occur like that here in the United States. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I'm asking that you would, that you would speak to your people in unique ways, Lord. Uh, help me not fumble the ball on this. I pray, Lord, that we would get your heart as it relates to events like this that have seemed to be more divisive, more uh, factious than we've ever seen in our country, probably uh, since the Civil War. I I don't wanna overstate it, but Lord, I'm asking you to do a deep work in us and help conform our hearts and minds to your will and to your ways. And we are in desperate need of the Holy Spirit to even remotely begin to be able to do that this morning. So I give this morning to you and uh, would you speak in Jesus' name, amen. So this last week, uh, everybody will have known by now, I actually got a phone call, I was uh, in my car and I hadn't had any media on uh, the entire day and I got a call from Europe and it was a friend of mine and and uh he was just saying i can't believe this is happening in america and he you know without saying it, actually he's kind of said it but he's, i used to respect america so much and now can you imagine what's going on there's crazy crazy things that are going on in america these are things we see in other places around the world but never there and he couldn't even imagine that i wasn't watching it and i i immediately went into the house and turned tuned on the turned on the TV and was able to be horrified, as many of you were, uh, as you witnessed what was going on. What do we do? What is the response we have to this? How, how do we think rightly about this event that happened this week? I think most people would be in the camp of saying, this is far beyond the line, regardless of what your political sway- persuasion may be, which side of the aisle you may be on. I think there was in many places Almost complete consensus that this was an atrocity. That this was uh, this was certainly not the way to proceed. How do people get there? I was thinking about and seeing pictures of those that were there. Uh, some would say rioting, others would say protesting, others would say the mob, and I, I, I even all that language is so filled with uh, implications, and uh, you know people just immediately turn off. I think. Probably some were there uh, just to protest, and I think it was an unreasonable protest on a personal level. But they were there to protest. I, I, I can't imagine that the entirety of everybody was that was there was already set on smashing windows, breaking into the chamber, into the House chamber, and and uh, doing and, and doing what was done, at much less the deaths that have now occurred. I saw this morning that the. Uh, or this last week that one of uh, one, somebody had been killed this last week, a young woman, and then even a security officer was killed and there were others that had medical issues that. So there was loss of life. How do we think about this? Where do we get? How do you get to a place that you would storm the Capitol and see that as being something that was maybe in alignment? I don't know where all these people and I don't even want to stereotype or speculate what all the different motivations were for this. But let me tell you something that can easily happen. I've been doing ministry for multiple decades. I've seen a lot of people come into the kingdom and I've always had this sense that there is a place when someone first comes into the kingdom and they begin to follow Jesus. If you'll remember our kingdom circle, they come into the kingdom now and they've come out of another kingdom and we'll call these, we're gonna talk about a religious kingdom, we're gonna talk about a political kingdom. They've come out of something that's driven their lives, a kingdom, somebody they've served a little bit of what Jesus said. You got to—you serve either God or money, but you can't serve both. So some are financial, political kingdoms and, and power kingdoms and all these kingdoms that exist. And then they come into the kingdom, uh, they're bought by the blood, they believe into Jesus. And yet we find that they are most often, it's a long process through the wilderness to extricate somebody completely from here and get them thinking kingdom thoughts acting in kingdom ways and as a result many the only way they now want to stand for righteousness and the only way they perceive they're able to do that is they immediately fall back on their political kingdom and they think that that's how they're going to bring peace into the earth so they live in a political kingdom others do it religiously there's a religious kingdom up here we're gonna we're gonna live in this kingdom. And and what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning is what happens when we think we're in this kingdom, we think we're in the heavenly kingdom driven by the, the ethos that Jesus established through his death, burial, and resurrection, and when in fact we may find ourselves in fact over here in this kingdom, maybe a political kingdom. How does that occur? Well, first of all, I want to I want to share Second Corinthians chapter six. 2 Corinthians chapter six. I'm just going to read it from my Bible. It was didn't really occur to me this morning. I was going to go a slightly different direction, and as I've thought about this, I I wanted to share this with you. Many of you will know well 2 Corinthians chapter five. Uh, we're a new creation in Christ. And in fact, uh, I love verse fifteen. It says He died for all of us in, in this kingdom. Those are those who are in this kingdom. Uh, that what, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. In other words, we're not living for ourselves. And many times we lived in another kingdom and it was very much a self-centered kingdom. We were very focused on our interests, our rights, our, our all those things. And now we've been taken to a different kingdom that is a kingdom that, that has an ethos of us giving up our rights for the the well-being of those around us, whether or not they agree with us or love us at all. They may even hate us, and yet we lay down our lives because that was the very nature of Jesus. It goes on to say, you're now a new creature in Christ. But then chapter six is what I wanna look at. That's the context in which six emerges. Listen to Paul's language. I just wanna look at verse three, second Corinthians chapter six, verse three, it says we don't want to give any cause for offense in anything now i want you to know the all-encompassing nature of that very verse we don't want to give offense in anything we want no offense to come through our lives why well he just established that we're now only seeking to lay down our lives for the kingdom we in fact if you look back in verse 9 of the previous chapter it's our ambition whether home or absent to be pleasing to him, we're new creatures. And then it says, we have this ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors to take to the world the message of Jesus and the gospel and being reestablished with the Father. That's our totality. This kingdom is driven. It's very, everything about it is driven by the Great Commission. And the reconnection first with ourselves, with the Creator of the universe through Jesus, and then our exporting that and being a light unto the nations. Israel originally called, and now the church, a light. We are called to be a light. Now listen to what he says: We give no cause for offense in anything in order that the ministry not be discredited. What ministry? Well, the ministry of taking the gospel to the world. Paul saying, look in every we don't want to give offense in anything i'm just telling you right now if there were people who were jesus followers that were involved in what was going on this week they may in fact have come into relationship with jesus but i can tell you they're existing in a political kingdom here and i'm going to tell you in a minute how we perceive that and how we can tell whether or not we're actually living in this kingdom or whether or not we're actually abiding in our minds and our imagination in another kingdom. And we're gonna see uh, some encounters that Jesus had as well, trying to set people right that were living in a religious kingdom, thinking that God was on the throne, because we're talking about throne grabbing, right? It's one of the great temptations thinking that God was established on their throne when in fact that God was not on their throne we're going to look at that in a minute now back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 if you go on down verse 12 what's the problem well he first he what he's just said is that we we don't care we've gone through imprisonments and beatings and hardships and uh, sleepless nights and hunger and and we don't we're laying down our rights so that we don't give offense in anything and our ministry to take the message of the kingdom to the world is not discredited do, do you get his heart here I mean, Paul's like, whatever it takes, even our own sacrifice, we're poor. He says, we're poor here. Uh, but he says, church at Corinth, you are in verse, third, uh, verse 12, you are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. You know, when we first come into this kingdom, we haven't fully laid down our interest I don't think there's anybody listening to my voice here that would says I've completely laid down all my interest. I'm completely riveted on the king. It is a long process to live fully into this kingdom. It is so difficult. It's called sanctification process. But it is our ambition as Paul said to be pleasing to him. To be pleasing to him is to live holy and fully in here. Now, by the way, before you think that Is he saying don't have anything to do with politics? No, you can live fully in this kingdom and still vote. You might even fully live in this kingdom and this ethos and run for an elected office. So this is not about participation, but it is about imagining, having a vain imagination that somehow this is our highest priority. And again, I'm going to show you in a minute, how do we know whether or not this has become usurped in some way, a different kingdom, and is running our lives that would lead to something like we saw this Weak. Now again, I'm not suggesting that those who rioted and broke in or believers, not believers, or anything. I'm not even gonna get in it. It would be pure speculation on my part. But we're all drawn somewhere, and I and again, how do we know? How do we know which one of these we're living in? Now listen to how he goes on. You're not restrained by us, but you're verse 12, you're restrained in your own affections. Now in a like exchange, I speak to uh, to you as children, open wide to us also. And then verse 14, now catch this. Do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness what harmony has Christ with uh, Belial? Or what has a believer in common with the unbeliever? Now he's using this uh, Belial as, a, it, as something referring to uh, the Satan, as we had talked about last week, to the enemy of our soul, to the adversary, to the slanderer. And he uses this language. What harmony has Christ with Belial or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever or what agreement has the temple of God with idols because we are the temple. In other words, these cannot come together. We can't partner with a different kind of kingdom that comes in and encroaches and imagine that somehow we're in this kingdom when we're partnering with a foreign kingdom. And Jesus could not have been more clear on that. And I'm gonna give you, a, again, a couple of cases. I'm gonna take you first to John chapter eight. John is address, uh, Jesus is addressing in John chapter eight, He is addressing people who imagined that they had Jesus on the throne and yet they had done some throne grabbing of their own and it had led to great anger and even murder and so Jesus was pointing out you imagine that you're in God's kingdom because Abraham is your father but in fact you have not you're not in the kingdom circle at all you have shifted you are living holy into this religious kingdom And listen to the words. Jesus could not be more clear. John chapter eight, verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. They answered and said, well, we're Abraham's descendants. In other words, of course, we're in this kingdom. We're in this kingdom. Why? Because we're Abraham's descendants. And we've never yet been enslaved to anyone. How do you say that we will become free? Hey, we're, we are free. We live here because Abraham's downline, we're the physical descendants of Abraham. Don't talk to us about being enslaved over here in some other kind of kingdom, we're here. And then listen to Jesus' word. Jesus answered and said, truly I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. So number one, how do we know that we may have skipped over into another kingdom? Well, we see the outcome, which is sin. Bible simply says Satan has sinned from the beginning. The devil has sinned from the beginning. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. Yet, now catch this, there's sin here. You seek to kill me. Okay, so is murder and slander and all this other stuff, lying and hatred and, and, and is that in this kingdom? No. Jesus says, you say you're in this kingdom, but you desire to kill me and killing and murder are not in this kingdom. You're, you're in a religious kingdom. There's no question. You guys are religious leaders, but you are in a religious kingdom that has nothing to do with the kingdom of true and pure devotion to Christ. You're over here. Listen to how he goes on. He says, I know you seek to kill me because my word has no place. I speak the things which I have seen from my father. Therefore, you do the things which you heard from your father. Now, this gets harsh. Who dominates these kingdoms? The Satan dominates this kingdom, religious kingdom. Are you kidding me? Satan loves to to come as an angel of light. He loves that. Paul told the Corinthians, he disguises himself as an angel of light. It can be a religious kingdom, can be a political kingdom, can be a socioeconomic kingdom, can be a military kingdom. All these kingdoms can be dominated by Satan. And again, how do we know whether or not we're in this kingdom or in this kingdom? Well, Jesus is pointing out number one, murders in your heart. If you were in this kingdom, which Abraham clearly was, Just because you're a physical descendant doesn't make you that. Just because you go to church or because you sit in a pew every week or because you occasionally do this, if murder is coming out of your heart, let me tell you something, you've shifted from this kingdom ethos into, well, into an entirely another another kingdom that is driven by the adversary himself. They answered and said to him, Verse 39, Abraham is our father. Again, they're restating, no, 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 we're in this kingdom, we're in this kingdom. But Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. Listen and obey. Faith, listen and obey. Listen and obey. He says, but as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. This Abraham... Did not do. There's no murder in this kingdom, not in Abraham's kingdom, not in Abraham's faith kingdom. Remember, Abraham was made righteous by his faith. No, murder doesn't exist in this kingdom. Murder exists in this kingdom. And listen to verse 41. You are doing the deeds of your father. And they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Now, Jesus said, Now we know, you know that you're not in this kingdom because you're doing the deeds of your father. Murder? What other things might be listed among those that would be indications that we may imagine in our minds that we're living under the authority of Christ and we're living fully into his kingdom? And yet, if you see what? Well, there are a number of things. I would take you to Galatians chapter five, Galatians chapter five. Let's look at some things, attitudes, things that we can see that are indications of the flesh and not the spirit. See, the spirit dominates this. This is faith. The spirit leads. We listen by faith and we respond. When we don't and we begin to, these other attitudes begin to encroach on us, we've left the ranch, if you will. So catch this, Galatians five seventeen. The flesh sets its desire against the spirit. Spirit leads here. This is the kingdom. The flesh is over here. Religious kingdoms can be driven by the flesh. Political kingdoms, again, socioeconomic kingdoms, they can be driven by the flesh and will be. And how do we know? Well, they look like this. The the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for they are in opposition to one another. There's a battle here. So that you may not do the things you please. If you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Okay, so how do you know whether or not you're in a political, religious something kingdom and maybe not the kingdom. Here's some telltale signs. Here he is. Are you ready? It's evident. Immorality. Immorality doesn't exist here. No way. Impurity, sensuality. I don't care what you say. Well, private. and it, it, Maybe you bought into a political kingdom or a political ideology or a philosophical ideology, a philosophical kingdom that says, well, we're not going to invade people's uh, bedrooms. It, who's who... How, who are we to say what's moral and immoral and impure? We, we don't do that. So let every man, uh, this is the foundations of where this country is, by the way, right now. It's right where Israel was. It feels today, and the reason there's such a somber tone in many of us is it feels just like it did with them. And every man did what was right in his own eyes. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. See, that's us before Jesus. Well, this seems right to me. I'm going to do this. Well, it seems right to me. Well, if you use that as your mantra for life, how can you, how can you accuse what happened in Capitol Hill? Well, they were just doing what was right in their own eyes. And what about this group over here? What about this group over here? There's going to be tyranny and chaos if every man does what's right in his own eyes. That's, That's an indication, that's an indication of the flesh. Now listen to what else it says. It says idolatry. In other words, putting something else above the throne. It's throne grabbing. Idolatry at its very core is throne grabbing. Sorcery, enmities, enmities. You don't think that was enmity this last week? Strife, jealousy. Now catch this. We're going to look at this in a minute. Outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying one another, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, which I forewarn you, and I have forewarned you that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is Galatians. So the evidence that we're not fully functioning in this kingdom, outbursts of anger, factions, disputes, strife, slander, murder. See, Jesus was just pointing out murder doesn't exist here. I don't care what you guys say. Well, I live in a religion, Abraham is our father. I don't, I don't care what the external code is. People talk about this all the time. And this is why my precious CRD friends, this is exactly why Jesus said, don't just listen to what people say, observe their fruit. Do they have the fruit of the spirit? Is there suffering, long suffering? Is it like second Corinthians chapter six? Is that not long suffering? He's saying, we don't want to cause offense in anything because we don't want the ministry to be discredited. So we live in afflictions and hardships and beatings and imprisonments. We lay down, and in other words, we're laying down our rights for one overriding purpose, to take the message of Jesus to the world. We're such mixed bags. We come to it with such different for purposes. Now, again, many things that should be fought for have been politicized and they shouldn't be. Abortion to me is not a political issue, it's murder. Okay, this CRD is very clear on that. And and again, there's a lot of grace for any of you who have been uh, gone through that or or been through that. There's cleansing at the cross. So this is not, it's not an indictment. I'm just saying we stand against it. There are many things. Uh, Wilberforce back then, slavery, that is antithetical to Jesus' culture and we could so there are many places the church is the pillar in support of the truth but like I said when you usurp the kingdom and there are times when we fight for moral issues when I say fight we we may vote we may get involved in a political process but we don't bomb abortion clinics why because murder doesn't exist in our doesn't exist in this kingdom if there's murder in your heart or slander or abuse what does this do to us It completely limits us from being able to love the world. What happens when you engage and you realize that you've entered a political kingdom? Why? Because you're adopting attitudes. What partnership has dark with light? Again, I did a message on this not too long ago. bedfellows, right? We can have some very uncomfortable bedfellows when we move into a political arena and then all of a sudden we began to adopt their offenses and, you know, they're offended by something, we become offended. We're trying to create a partnership with others that we have no partnership at its core in. We are driven by the spirit. If you're a follower of Jeeva's, you are a spirit person, you're a spirit-led person. The spirit never leads us into dissensions and strife and factions and slander and murder and all these other kinds of things it leads us into long suffering and peace and joy and kindness and good goodness and gentleness how do you know whether you've left our the ranch of the kingdom here how do you know when those attitudes are being manifest or you're partnered with people that are having those attitudes it won't be long that you will begin to adopt the attitudes of those who don't even know Jesus because you've entered a political kingdom as opposed to the righteous kingdom. And again, let me be clear, from inside a godly kingdom, you can still vote. You can still be participant, but you're not partnered in a soul partnership. What partnership has dark and light? I'm going to take you to one other place this morning where uh, Jesus had to encounter someone he loved. Now this is clearly, Peter is clearly a person that lives in this kingdom. But he had given himself in this moment, he had given himself in this moment and he had left the kingdom ethos and he had actually become a a participant, if you will, a partnering participant with the adversary again. I'm gonna take you to Matthew chapter 16, verse 22. Jesus had talked to them about his impending death. And Peter's like, no way is that going to happen. I'm not going to allow that to happen. Not on my watch. And listen to Jesus' response to Peter, Matthew 16, verse 22. Peter took him aside. Can you imagine Peter, you know, the fisherman taking aside who is supposed to be the coming Messiah, God in human flesh? He didn't understand that yet. But he takes him aside and he begins to rebuke Jesus, (laughs) rebuking Jesus, He said, God forbid it. I'm not letting you go to the cross, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But then Jesus turns to Peter and says, what? Get behind me, Satan, adversary. You're a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. See, what happens again is that even though Peter felt so righteous, you've got to understand when you leave and you get involved over here, you've got to, you've got to realize, folks, that the convictions and the emotional affections are, rival anything that's over here and that's why why it becomes so uh, difficult to assess for many people they don't realize that they've left this even though they are harsh harsh critics slanderers they don't they don't live into Romans 13 they don't live into a place where you pray for the the leaders they don't they don't believe in the sovereignty of god that it's god daniel let me let me quote this daniel 221 it is he, God, who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. See, when God's on the throne, there is a recognition and it is it gives settling to our souls. God establishes kings and he uproots kings. Now for us, we would say president. You can, you can be upset by that, whether you're Clinton or Reagan or Bush or or whoever it was is, Obama or or even Donald Trump, God establishes and God then dethrones. There that doesn't mean you don't vote. This is where that subtle challenge is to be active and yet also recognize God's sovereignty. But I'm rested, I'm settled in what's going on right now. I may not like it one way or the other, a political movement or something. But I've got to understand that it's God that establishes, and now I'm being called to what? Well, in the kingdom, what do we do? Well, Paul's really clear in Romans 13. Romans 13, verse 1 and 2, listen to this. Every person is to be in subjection to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. This is is how the kingdom functions. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. We will see that some of these folks will come to trial. And let me tell you something. I can also easily go to the other side. If you want to look at it from a political persuasion, I mean, the, the lambasting and the, the horror show that's gone on and the slander and everything else that's gone on now in our political environment, you don't want to get caught up in that. And, and what the Bible is telling us, regardless of whether you believe that you support, whether you, you may completely, utterly agree, disagree with a political person, but you pray for them. They've been established by God, according to Romans 13. And remember, remember the kind of political authority that had been established during the time that Paul is writing this to the Romans. Some of the most brutal fascist dictators we've ever seen. Uh, Some of these Roman, uh, they claim to be gods. And yet here Paul is telling the Romans, you need to pray for them. You need to pray for them. So how, how do we respond to this? I mean, w- w- what is our response? Okay, first of all, now let's pivot back to uh, our series. And I'm gonna jump ahead, and I wasn't gonna do this uh, immediately, but I-, I think it's perfect for where we are right now. One of the one of the subcategories that I had given you for uh, what? For fighting, right? What, what we're doing is we're in the spirit, we're taking our sword, which is the word. We're taking our sword, it is written. And one of the subcategories, of taking the throne it, and one of the inevitability inevitable outcomes of that are anger and I had I, I it's amazing I already had this on the outline prior to what had happened on Capitol Hill this week the temptation to lash out in anger it always comes when we try to grab the throne so what are some verses if you're feeling that kind of that deep, deep affection, resentment, whatever it is uh, that you're passionate about this and you want to strike out. What are some things that say, wait a minute, that, I don't know that that's the kingdom ethos here. Slander, wanting this person to die, murder, whatever it might be aroused in your heart. Uh, I, I don't, I don't like the feeling it brings. Uh, I, I don't want to be a person of consternation. I don't want I don't want this in my life but I feel so wildly impassioned by this. How do I navigate these waters? Now, so I'm gonna give you a few verses. What happens when you see that God's sovereignty and you're not praying for your political leaders and you're not and you, you get caught up in this whirlwind and you find yourself partnered with, with people, what partnership have, has darkness and light? And you're partnered and all of a sudden you're going, what am I doing? This has very little to do with Jesus. Here's some verses for you. Number one, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. When you have the temptation to lash out, when somehow you all of a sudden feel you realize that I have navigated from the kingdom over to another circle here. Why? Well, I don't like the feelings that I have. Here, here you go. You ready? Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. Again, Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus, not the church at Corinth now. Walk in a manner that is reflective of the king, of this ethos, of this the gentleness of the spirit and kindness and love. Be able to love everybody, even your enemies. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. You have a calling to be a light to the nations. With all humility, and gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It is written. It is written. What might you say? If you don't, you don't have to remember all of it, but it might be something show tolerance for one another in love. I mean, let's just give a hypothetical. Say you said, you know what, I, I I feel passionately and somehow you believe that the election was not fair and there's place in our democracy to come and challenge an election. I, I didn't happen to be in that camp, but say you were an honest, integrous person and you wanted to come and say, look, we wanna make sure that our election was fair. I think we want fair elections here in the United States and you found yourself and you'd heard well there's gonna be a rally at washington you went there and you you got involved and and you were there and then all of a sudden the riots break out and you find yourself going i don't know that i signed up for this i don't know i'm just as hypothetical and you say this is not tolerance and love for others i think i would have taken if i had been one of those people and i'd been led by the spirit i've would taken my sword and I would have said maybe for it is written, we show tolerance to one another in love. And I would have battled this, and I probably would, I, hopefully, I would have left the scene irrespective of what my political persuasion might have been. When I began to see that this breaking out of chaos, this is clearly something I am not partner with. I am not in partnership with this kind of thinking. I would have run as fast as I could. Had I been a person that found themselves in that that situation, I would have battled with my sword. Proverbs 11 verse 12. He who despises his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding keeps silent. If you find yourself, folks, if you find yourself despising your neighbor, you're not living in the kingdom. Let me say that again. I don't care what their background is, what their beliefs are, how brutally they may treat you, how, may, how they may mock you and, and anything else. They may stand for everything that you stand against. But can I tell you, if you despise your neighbor, you lack sense. A man of understanding just keeps silent. That's what this kingdom looks like. Do you, spot, do you just, has, has, has the political kingdom in some way made you despise your neighbor, despise someone else on the other side of the aisle, whichever side of the aisle you might find yourself on a particular issue? Do you despise your neighbor? You've left the ranch. You've left the kingdom ethos. Romans 12, verse 19 through 21. Never take your own revenge. Beloved, and leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, never take your own revenge. Leave some room for the wrath of God. Now, what is Paul saying here? Is that God establishes rulers? Pray for your rulers. Pray for those who are in political office. I hate that person. Well, wait a minute. If there's hate coming out of your heart, what would Jesus say to you? Here's the question. What would Jesus say to you if you were sitting down, you had had a nice cup of coffee and then Jesus appeared and you were able to have a a conversation with Jesus and and it shifted to the political realm. I hate these people and I can't believe they're destroying our country and blah, 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 blah. Some of that may be true. But there's hatred coming out of your heart what would jesus say he might say just exactly what he said to peter get behind me adversary so get behind me satan you're setting your interests on man's interests and not on the king's we lay down our lives for our religious opponents others in different religions we lay down our lives for our political opponents we lay down our we lay down our lives for the world that the gospel may go forward. And then lastly, and and most clearly, if I were to give one verse that I would have fought with this week, had I been someone, and again, I, I was looking at some of the people there and some of them were clearly had, you know, murder in their eyes and kind of a radical, riotous, mob looking look in their eyes. But some, to me, just looked like, you know, mothers of children and maybe on the school board or somewhere else. I mean, there was just some Fairly normal-looking people, from what I would perceive as being normal, I would have been. Had I been them, I pray to God that I would have, and I wouldn't have been. But I pray that I would have fought with, for instance, James 1.20. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God, for it is written. So I, I'm overcome with. Say, I'm overcome with affection. I mean, excuse passion. I'm overcome with passion. I'm so upset about the direction of our country, many of you, and rightfully so. I don't like all the division, and I can't believe in the media, and this and that. Boy, there's just all this patch just rising up in your soul. You find yourself becoming more and more angry. You need to fight, for it is written, the anger of man. I mean, find yourself... Crouch in a position. Say it if you have to, for it is written, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. What do you need to fight with this week in response to what happened on Capitol Hill and inevitably what's going to be coming down the pike over the next, in 2021? Are you so impassioned about events that it leads you to anger and slander and factions and divisions or do you have or do you have a place of real peace in your soul amidst the chaos that is our current political environment Look again I'm not saying you can't be involved in the political process and not live in here you certainly can but you cannot have the attending Uh, attitudes that are manifestations of the flesh, murder and slander and setting your interest on man's interest and not on God. You cannot. These two are in conflict with one another, which is what we just read. The spirit sets itself against the flesh and the flesh sets itself against the spirit. So in closing this morning, where are you in all of this? Where is your heart? Do you find, have you found this week that you are in fact manifesting the flesh? Now you can you can mourn, you can be somber, you can have moments of great and deep reflection. Have you prayed? Maybe you're on the this side of the aisle. Have you prayed for the rioters? Or maybe you're on that the, uh, another just general. Persuasion. Have you prayed for the media? Have you you been praying for President-elect Biden? Vice President-elect Kamala Harris? I have. Why? Because I'm instructed to do it. That's what we do in the kingdom. We pray for those because authority is established by God. Pray for those leaders. I pray for their salvation. I pray that they would, that they would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I I pray, irrespective of what I think about, I will not get caught up. I will, I refuse to get caught up. I will battle with my sword. I will not get angry. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Regardless of what the thinking was, as those men and women packed up their, you know, their vehicles, and made their way to Washington, D.C., had they just had the sword of the Spirit and followers of the Spirit, had they just had that, they would have recognized and they would have turned around and gone home. And we wouldn't have had this incredibly disgraceful occurrence right here. I'm praying, and I would ask you to pray the same, that this is a, a, a seminal moment in the life of this democracy. Why? Because I want peace, in America, I want righteousness to flow down, but I do realize that it will never be bought through a political avenue. It's only bought as men's hearts, men's and women's hearts are transformed and changed. Again, a democracy is just a reflection of the people. But we have an antidote to the heart. You know, one of the things I heard in closing, one of the things I heard this week and some of the pundits and talking, and I haven't watched a lot of it, but... And it kind of offended this guy because he was caught in a place. And and you can say he didn't want to say this, but he was almost forced into a corner to say it. We saw a reflection of the hearts of men, is what we saw this week. And there's some that will say it's just the divine within, and you know, all that kind of thing. No. This book says the heart is dark and deceptively wicked who can know it. Maybe you find yourself in that place this morning, you say, "Lord, I see some of the darkness in my own heart. I think I've left the I've left the kingdom reserve the ranch here. I've left the ranch. I'm not in the kingdom circle anymore. I'm so impassioned by this. I'm so I'm so allied and partnered with people that don't anymore follow the the spirit than anything else. I'm not talking about people who may or may not call themselves Christians. I'm talking about people who manifest the fruit of the spirit." The patience and the long-suffering and the and the joy and that internal, just solid nature. You can tell that their lives are built on the rock. And I am partnered with chaos. I don't care what they call themselves. I have been partnering with chaos. Now is the time to say, Lord, forgive me. I want to head back into the kingdom. I want to live according to your principle. I want to be sensitive to the spirit. I want to be impassioned by what you're impassioned by what your interests are. And let me tell you, I can be very clear because the Bibles could not be more clear. Take the message of the gospel. Be an ambassador of Christ. Give no cause for offense in anything so that this calling, this ministry, won't be discredited. That's my word to you this morning. So um, I, I hope you get my spirit... There's no way to have a conversation like this that we've just had this morning and not uh, be misinterpreted by some and he's making a political statement. I'm not making a political statement other than don't get caught up in a political kingdom. Live in the kingdom, vote from that kingdom, maybe be involved, but don't be partnered with things that lead you down a road where you say this is not, all of a sudden you look around and go, this just doesn't seem right. This doesn't represent what's in my heart. Pull back, maybe some of you, and I'm gonna pray now that you I just need to re-enter, I need to re-enter this circle. Lord, I forgive me. I didn't realize it. I thought I was doing your bidding. Just like the religious leaders did when they were wanting to murder Jesus, they thought they were doing the God's bidding. Just like Peter did, he was he was gonna stand up for Jesus. He was loyal to Jesus. He didn't realize he had left the kingdom, and he was now actually, Satan was able to operate through his life. Have you found yourself maybe in that place? Have you been so angered, losing sleep, Are there, is there any of that? But maybe it's another kingdom, a religious kingdom, not just political kingdom, or so, any other kingdom where you find yourself allied and partnered. With people who don't anymore be led by the Spirit. Now, I have many friends that I reach out to as an ambassador of Christ, but my deep, My deep partnerships are with those who love Jesus. That's the ethos in which I am called to live in and to partner with to advance the gospel. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Oh, Lord, I I hope this was communicated well. And where I have failed this morning to communicate your heart in this, Lord, just, again, let it be wiped from the imaginations of everyone who's been listening. But to the degree that this is reflective of your heart that we can love every people group, Democrat, Republican, ethnic differences, socioeconomic differences, male, female. Lord, that we would be able to love everyone and give the message of the gospel in a unique, humble, and gentle way and not be predisposed to an offense that somehow we have adopted because we left the kingdom ranch. Lord, there are some, maybe even listening to the sound of my voice, who would ask to be forgiven right now. And you just tell the Lord right now, Lord, forgive me. I, I realize now it's a, I've been involved in a religious kingdom or a political kingdom or whatever. And I, have, I know that because of the fruit that's been coming out of me, the manifestation of the flesh. Father, would you forgive me and move me back into your kingdom that I might operate in the peace and the love, irrespective of the circumstances. And I can be more effective in taking the the gospel to the end of the world. Father, would you forgive me? And I can just tell you, he will. So anyway, I look forward to seeing many of you on the Zoom call on Wednesday evening. Look forward to re-entering the Sword of the Spirit, uh, the temptation toolkit that we've been working through next week as well. And uh, I just want you to know, folks, my heart is broken for what happened this week. Again, I come on a very somber tone, but we do have the solution. We do have the answer, and his name is Jesus. And in my view, and I think the sword's view, it is the only answer for all that ails the United States of America. Have a great week.